Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good evening, gearheads, and welcome to Speed City. This is John Massengale sitting in the studio with me is Les Kaiser and Jonathan Green back off the road. Welcome back to the studio, Mr. Green. Thank you, sir. We are excited, fired up. We're always excited. All, but but kind of even more. We got the Indy 500, Monaco, and all the rest coming up. Biggest day in motor racing. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. The greatest day in motor racing. It was a pretty fun day today, too. IndyCar qualifying, MotoGP. I don't think everybody would say fun. Well, that's true. Some of the drivers did not have a great day, but it was... Well, yeah, it was we're going to hear from them. It was good to watch, though. It was good entertainment. Hey, let me run down what we got on the show, because speaking of IndyCar, we got the pole sitter coming on the show well, here. of course in just we a few minutes. Of course, yes. Don't Ed, act surprised. Ed Carpenter joins us in about 20 minutes to talk about his day. Man, 230 miles an hour. Man, he's got that thing dialed in. No kidding. Oh, yeah. He's got the whole team dialed in, by the way. Yeah, I was about to say, the other thing is he's got Danica Patrick. I mean, there's two big stories out of today. One is Danica Patrick literally... That's who she's dating. <laughs> no. Um, not but, doing IndyCar rumors and oh, okay. social hour. You don't go out with the boss. This is Ed Carpenter's team, and he's brought Danica Patrick and GoDaddy to it in her last swan song. Um... She has been in NASCAR for the last few years. She's not driven the new car, certainly not the new aero package. She's in. She's driven an Indian. She's always seemingly had top tens. She's she's a bit like uh, Ed Carpenter in that respect. Ed Carpenter always seems to end up on the front row. He's had three pole positions. But um, Spencer Piggott uh, himself and uh, Danica Patrick all in the five hundred. What a what a weekend for them. Yeah, and and uh, Danica really caught me off guard. I did not expect to see her do this well. You know, I, I agree. I mean, yes, she did when she was around the IndyCars quite a bit more and, you know, was in the seat regularly. But to uh, hop in with very short notice, or I'll say very short prep time, and land where she did. Same, you know, same goes for Elio, uh, Elio Castroneves. I mean, obviously, he's been closer to it um, in the last few years, but he's now in sports car racing, of course. Um, so, again, coming in, it's no mean feat. That is one heck of a track. It's never easy. Two days of qualifying and all the practice that goes on. There's wind, there's rain, and there has been. Um, you know, it's. I really am impressed with all the guys who are stepping up uh, for a, literally a one-off um, occasion in this, in this case. Um, um, so, you know, hats off to them. A really, really good job. And Ed Carpenter, you know, literally born into Indianapolis, um, quite literally. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a great story and a great feel-good factor for Indy themselves because he's a, he's a homegrown hero. Yeah, we got a bunch of Indy car stories we want to talk about. Then Also on the show today, American Joe Roberts, who's in Moto2, who actually had a pretty good weekend. I know he crashed and didn't finish... Uh, he finished 19th, but it was a pretty good weekend for him as he was looking strong and fast. And we got an interview we did with him. We did it about an hour ago on Skype because he's over in the UK and he's got to go to bed. But we got that interview. And we're also going to talk about MotoGP because it was the French Grand Prix. What? It was the French Grand Prix. What? And, uh, what? And, oui. Mar and Marquez uh, what? looked good. And we're also going to, we're going to, Finish up a little bit of discussion on the Miami F1 story because, you know, as you know, if you didn't hear on Speed City last week, we had the mayor of Miami A on. world exclusive. We did. And he said some interesting things that we want to, we're going to play a couple of those clips and uh, we're going to talk about that. But so back to IndyCar. Um, Jonathan, what else besides the, I mean, obviously the Ed Carpenter, the whole Ed Carpenter racing team and Danica, 
What else caught your eye? Like maybe Alexander Rossi? <laughs> yeah, that. well, let's start there. Yeah, Alexander Rossi um, is the biggest story because the, the rules are in Indy, uh, you, you have two good days of qualifying and if you withdraw your car to have another go at going faster, there's nothing stopping you from doing that, but you scratch that time. So if you qualified, which he did, pretty good. Was he 12th? I don't know. I think it was a little, it was like fourth row. The, the point is he felt like he'd go faster today than he did yesterday and it was... I, a miscalculation, whatever you want to call it. He had a terrible run and went backwards, basically. And he will now start at the back of the I, Indy. I think that's I one know. of the things that Kimmy usually goes, wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, to be fair, he's been there, done that, because he was pretty much at the back when he won the Indy 500 two years ago. Um, the the thing that catches me, Honda versus Chevrolet. Chevrolet, no question, they've uh, locked out the front row. Um, and seemingly they've got a, a missile when it comes to qualifying. And as we know, Honda, in the past anyway, have had a, an Achilles heel when it comes to engines blowing as, as it did with Alonso and a few others uh, over the last two years. But I've I, I got a feeling now with the new aero package and all the rest of it, that may be negated and we could have the most competitive Indy 500 in many years when it comes to Chevrolet versus Honda. And also when it comes to... Uh, what I love about the combination of the 33 this year is you've got great stories like Ed Carpenter, who really have never won the 500, but have always been up there. You've got Danica. You've got guys who are young and desperate in a different way, uh, like the Jack Harveys of this world and want to shine like Jay Howard. And we saw what it did for Rossi. Uh, you know, he he, he he was a relative unknown to the indie racing world when he came in and won the 500. And now his life will never be the same. Robert Wickens, great story this year. His first 500. And then you've got um, Carlin. Carlin, the British team um, with Max Chilton and Charlie Kimball. Uh, who've both got good uh, experience here and have been with big teams, but Carlin have never done the 500, and yet they've won the Freedom 100, the Indy Lights race that takes place at the same time, twice. You know, you seem to know a lot about the Indy 500. Why don't we send you up there next week? Uh, that, oh, really? Let's That'd do be, it, baby. Let's let's go. Speed City, on the road. Yeah, Jonathan, will be there, I'm, I am shaking hands with the boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pack your bags. Hitchhike Pack. north. We're going. Uh, now, Jonathan's going to be there. And, I am. And we're going to have him live at the Indy I'm 500. I'm not going to miss the greatest spectacle in racing. Absolutely. Hey, i got a new is. wardrobe to fit, to fit out. Uh-oh. <laughs> we'll be Uh-oh. here in the studio talking about Monaco, so we'll we'll have all Oh, the... yeah, that's the other race. I, yeah, I was there's the... another little oh, race. Oh, darling, I was there last week. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Last week, if you missed How about this show, for a month, yeah. Jonathan was at Monaco for the historic Formula One Grand Prix. And, wow, I, you've, we were looking at some videos on his TV at home from yeah. his phone and everything. I mean, we're talking the classic F1 cars, the sounds. Oh, the 70s. Oh, my gosh. Mid-70s and 60s. Unbelievable. Fantastic. And that really was, by the way, that was a... I, I'm still pinching myself, and thanks to Greenlight Television, take me down there. Um, really, really enjoyed it, and... It's such a great event. It only happens every two years. Um, but if you really want to enjoy the great sounds and, um, you know, uh, look of old Formula One and take it back to its history of 1929, it's worth it. And that's why the Indy 500 is so good, because they remember their history too. Well, I got to ask. So, you know, they were you were there last week. That's two weeks before the F1 race. Yeah. 
What do they do as far as the layout and the track? Do they leave all those barricades up for this time? What yeah. do they do? Oh, yeah, they definitely leave them up. And, um, I mean, the weird thing about Monaco is once you open the um, open the gates or open the, 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 the track up again, the traffic flows probably better than it does at, at some of the other street circuits. So, yeah, exactly. It actually is a way of making sure that the track is ready um, and if any, you know, they've got two weeks now to to to, to short, sort out any uh, problems. It was pretty funny, actually. We had a couple of occasions where uh, a few guys dropped their guts in terms of oil, so we had a few delays. But um, no, all in all, fantastic event. And yeah, the camera positions are ready, the barriers are up, and uh, now it's just time to wait for wah, Kimmy. I did have to. I hesitate a little bit when I tuned it in. I think it was it on Motor Turn on Demand or something like that. Yes, it was, in, yeah. And uh, the, I was like, Les was sitting beside me. He said, are they racing? I said, well, they're Heck not going yeah. that fast. I'm not sure. <laughs> they were under no, caution, uh, but apparently okay. they do get pretty going pretty well, good. Well, I'll tell huh? you what, I, I, if any dad I had was vanished on the Friday when I we had eight uh, big smashes, which involved front ends, suspensions, wishbones, you name it. And that included some of the 1929 Bugattis that were out there. Ooh, Ouch. Wow. Yeah, I was Ouch. amazed. Absolutely. And by the way, a 1929 Bugatti, if you know your cars, uh, when they raced those, there was no safety belts. Yeah, no open wheel cage. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Open no wheel. disc brakes or ABS or any, any of the above. You're out there, buddy. Giant drums. Yeah, we, we exactly. We joke about the millions of dollars that crash when you know in, in any modern motorsports. But man, a bunch of early twenties, mid twenties, late twenties Bugattis. There's a, a few dollars oh, for man, you. Oh man, those Type Thirty Fives are amazing. Well, They're I also just... got I got a chance to uh, uh, commentate on a seventies, late seventies, early eighties uh, race, and uh, Eddie Irvine was up against Mika Hakkinen, and uh, no, that was this was meant to be a display, but of course those two. You know, and it wasn't long before Eddie went past Mika and Mika's like, hmm. So, you know, <laughs> that got interesting. And we even had a race in the rain, pouring rain. And I was like, oh, surely with this, you know. I mean, think about the, the cars. They're A, valueless in terms of you can't put yeah. a value on them. But each one is probably worth two or three million. And it's raining. Yeah. <laughs> it's Monaco. The track is exactly what will be going next weekend. And they're racing hard. Hey, speaking of the drivers, wasn't the, weren't there some other guys? What were some of the famous names that were driving? Oh, well, I mentioned Mika Hakkinen. Uh, Karun Chandot was driving for Williams. Uh, Job Watson, who won the British Grand Prix yeah. in 1976, he was there in a McLaren. Uh, Adrian Newey. I was going to say, <laughs> wasn't Adrian Newey, yeah. And Adrian Newey, can you imagine what it must be like for him? He was driving a Lotus, a 61 Lotus, okay? <laughs> so th that's obviously before he started designing stuff. But he's looking around the paddock at, like I said, the first race was 1929. It was won by uh, a Bugatti 35 or 35B. Right. Uh, and then it goes all the way through to 1980 uh, where you've got UOP Shadows and McLaren B23s. And, and he's in the middle of all this watching this progression of design. That was so beautiful yeah. about the weekend. You could see the history of motorsport at speed, not in a museum, <laughs> but with people going hell-bent for leather. Fantastic event. Oh, the shadows are the ones that I always see as iconic with the giant yeah, yeah. air intake. Yeah. looks like a giant dorsal fin. <laughs> but black and yeah. really kind of sexy. Ominous. Yeah, ominous. And that thing is, is just amazing. Great roar to it and everything. But well, who uh, were those, 
who were those guys that were commentating with you? Because obviously they were historic as well. They were. <laughs> they they <laughs> were, yes. Uh, they were, and it was funny because I had Andrew Marriott, who was, you know, who was, if you like, a generation um, ahead of me. And he was doing the Formula One commentary at Monaco back in the 70s. Um, and so he remembered these cars when they were in the area and not just now period cars. So that was kind of cool for him. Uh, we also, I got, uh, I, I got the family connection in. I got Brian Redman in and he talked uh, with Andrew Marriott and he had two cars, one of which was a shadow, fun yeah. enough. Um, and he also had a McLaren uh, in there, a Yardley McLaren, uh, one I've got a dinky toy of still. And he did about uh, an hour commentary with us as well. By the way, you can see this on Motor Trend On Demand and it's going to be on uh, uh, American TV. So look it up. It's really, really fascinating. Yeah. Who else was there? Uh, what else? Um, oh, there was loads of great names. Um, I mentioned Karun um, was there. But yeah, that Adrian Newey was a good story. Yeah, that's pretty cool that he was there. And and I, I want to see if we can grab this clip. I don't have it queued up ready now, but when you said Andrew Marriott, it reminded me. Of, oh, yeah, we've got that interview. Yeah. We've got that interview, and I want to see if the producer can get it clipped up for us because he talked about Miami. He did. And the things that he said about Miami, and I want to save the, I don't want to give the punchline away because he said yeah. something really interesting about well, it's about Haas and about what the Americans should be doing. Yeah, so. let's see if we can get that because uh, yeah, that'll work nicely. Uh, Andrew Marriott, of course, I was talking to him at Monaco, so we were at the greatest street circuit talking about Miami. That was kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. And remember, in about five minutes or so, we've got the 2018 IndyCar 5, Indy 500 pole sitter, Ed Carpenter, going to be joining us live. So stick with us through the break and listen to Speed City live in Austin. Back after these messages. Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. Ducati Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe, on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Your next chance at $1,000 with a big cash bribe is tomorrow at 7.03 on Talk 1370. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. 
Welcome back to Speed City. We're live here in Austin, home to Circuit of the Americas, just down the road a piece from those oh, boys yeah. out there. Hey, they had a new event this weekend, this morning. I didn't get to make it myself. You've heard of the Cars and Coffee across the nation? That's right. I forgot it was there this Circuit weekend. Circuit of the America is now hosting a monthly gathering of the Cars and Coffee. And I uh, heard from some friends. That's that said a big it was spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> heard that it was spectacular. There was a track day going on as well. They uh, combined it. They got to open up the cart track. And uh, you get to have your own races against your buddies there in carts. Uh Really going to be a festival-like atmosphere there. So uh, be sure and check out the Circuit of the Americas for cars and coffee. All right. Well, we're waiting on Ed Carpenter, the Indy 500 pole sitter, to join us here live in just a minute. I want to play that clip that I was just talking about, Andrew Marriott. I mean, first of all, set him up a little bit. It, it's you know who he is and everything. This is the clip where he talks about uh, Americans and what liberty and what everybody should be doing. It's just like a, like a two-minute clip, but... Um, well, we, do we have Ed Carpenter? Oh, we've got Ed Carpenter. Okay, great. I didn't realize we had him. Well, <clears throat> Let's great. talk to Ed. Let's talk to Ed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the 2018 Indy 500 pole sitter, Ed Carpenter. Welcome back to Speed City, Ed. Thanks for having me. Good evening. Good evening. I am so excited for you and your team. Um, I got a I, first question. How can a man? You you must have to sort of doppelganger yourself about eight times for this month. You've got a three car team. You're on pole, <coughs> and you're running an industry of cars and and people uh, this month of May in the middle of your hometown. How on earth are you handling all this? Uh, I've got a great team of people around me. My team really, really has my back, especially this month. Knowing how much stuff we have going on. You know, I'm out doing fuzzies bottle signings all the time, trying to sell as much vodka as I possibly can. I was about to say, uh, lots of vodka. <laughs> yeah, my wife, my wife, Heather at home, she really makes it easy and picks up all the slack on, on that kind of side of our life. But, you know, th when we go into the month of May, our team, they have a sign that they put up that reminds me that I'm not the boss during the month and just to focus on driving, and that's what I do. Well, listen, you did a fantastic job today. I want to get into the, the nitty gritty of those laps because, um, but, but first of all, I want to talk about how it must have been so special for you. Your kids were there, uh, obviously the family there too. Um, you've been pole, this is your third one. And so you've had plenty of accolades here, but I think this is probably the first time that your family, all of your family, ha have had a chance to see you shine uh, and do it uh, so well like that. It must have been particularly um, pleasing for you. Yeah, I mean, my older two kids were, I think, remember the last time because they were old enough. But Cruz, my youngest, who's who's probably the most interested in eight up with racing, he was only two last time. So <laughs> it, it's fun to kind of have him be a little older. And I'm pretty sure that they'll, they'll not forget this one if, if they hadn't really remembered the, the first two times. And hopefully we'll make more memories in a week. Well, Ed, when I look up and see 230 miles an hour, <laughs> I'm just like, wow, that is a huge number. That That's just got to blow you guys' mind. And I saw you had multiple laps. I think you had, of all the laps done, you were you're, you had many laps faster than anybody even close. Yeah, I, it, was, it was one of those days where things just went really, really well for us. The team, the team made all the right decisions, and the car was... The car was about as perfect as you can get a race car handling. So uh, really, really fortunate to, to have the team behind me that I do. And they made my job too easy today. 
hundredths of a second, or excuse me, eighty-five hundredths of a mile per hour. That, that's actually a pretty, <laughs> pretty good size gap in Indy. That's a pretty good margin yeah. with the way how tight this field is. So you know, it's like I said, it's just a real testament to the team. Also, tell us about the rest of the team because it's a fantastic day for Danica. I, I think, you know, every, I mean, Danica's always a, a topic of conversation whenever she's around any racing form, but especially Indy because she was so uh, popular with the fans um, at Indy. But to bring her back in this way when she's not driven the car, to go into your car, to be part of your team, I mean, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, but she, you must be very proud of what she's achieved this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's been it, it's been a great weekend for the team. You know, we obviously qualified yesterday to kind of set the field to 33. Now today was for position, but all three of our team cars were were locked into the fast nine shootout from last night to today. Um, and and Danica did a great job. Spencer Pickett, who drives the 21 preferred vodka car or preferred freezer car, sorry, did it did a great job. They both they both improved their times. Danica especially jumped up from ninth to seventh. And, you know, it's, it had been six, seven years since she'd been in an Indy car. But, um, you know, when, when the opportunity presented itself that she could be a part of our team, you know, and, and I looked, you know, I didn't really need to look because I was a part of it. But she, you know, she's always had a great track record here, a great feel for this racetrack. And, you know, I think when drivers are comfortable with this, this track and what it takes to, to have a car go fast here and run well in the race, you can rep it's easier to replicate it and she's had she's had great success here and it's really been fun to have her part of the team it's been fun to be a part of her her final race ending ending this part of her career and she's going to be moving on to to new things um but it's been a, it's been a fun week and we've got another week ahead of us finishing up preparation for the race and you know hopefully one of one of the three of us or all of us will be celebrating after a successful race next week and I feel like a lot of folks don't realize how much prep is going on before qualifying week and, and uh, just the month of May. But how much time did Danica get into this? It's not a great deal before now. Yeah, so yeah, so we did a test. There was an open test um, two weeks before the month started. So she, she got a day and a half in the car essentially, say, three weeks ago, um, then had a break, and then we... We've been on track every day this week from Tuesday until now. Um, so she's got a fair fair amount of seat time this week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was all really working on on race setup, focusing on the 500 and the actual race car itself. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday's all been qualifying work. Um, and she really did an outstanding job this weekend. And you know, I, th I think it always gets a little easier going back to race setup when you're when you put all that downforce back on and and you're you're just working on making the car as good as you can for, for full fuel stints, running in traffic after you've been used to running the types of speeds we run in qualifying things, things happen a little slower once you get back to race work. So, um, you know, I think going through this weekend will make things even more comfortable for her and all of us come tomorrow morning. Ed, I know you're a busy man. You've had a lot of interviews, and I'm sure you just want to go home now and rest up with that family you've been talking about. Um, but I got a question. I'm going to be up there this week. I'll come see you. I'm working with BT and with Speed City, um, and so I'll be up there this week with you. Um, but I want to just know for the thank you. I'm looking forward to it, uh, and I'll, I'll just try and look at some fuzzies while I'm up, while I'm up there because I do I do like my vodka. Um, <laughs> oh, you got to try it. You got to try it for sure. Though. Oh, oh, oh I have. <laughs> <laughs> if you insist. If you insist. No, my last question is though, because a lot of people ask me 
this question. The battle between Chevrolet and Honda. Um, where is it this year? We've had, we've seen the a lot of people, you know, tune in for the 500, and and they they were made well aware of this Honda versus Chevrolet battle. Uh, but the Chevrolet have locked out the front row, including yourself. So where are we now? And does qualifying necessarily tell us what the form guide will be for the 500? Um, I mean, Chevrolet's done an outstanding job getting ready for this month of May, especially when it came to to the high boost that we run in qualifying. Uh, they definitely brought it this year and and gave us all a great opportunity and advantage. I think um, you know, 500 miles is is a different story. Um, you know, I still think we have everything that we need from Chevrolet. They're a great partner, but you know, 500 miles, anything can happen, and there's there's so much that goes into to winning a 500 mile race so um you know honda's always tough competition I'm, I'm sure sunday will be no different but you know i like i like the chances with the bow tie i have behind me well well and i gotta ask you one last question here because i know you've been on the pole before you got your kids what would this mean to you to finally win this uh, i mean I, i've been working so hard for so long as as all all 32 other drivers here have been but you know, it, it would it would be a career defining moment, obviously, and you know, it, it's it's a life changer. But it, it's something that that I desperately want, and I hope that I can share with with my family and my team and everyone that's been on this journey with me. Um, you know, you never know never know how many chances you're going to have at this, and certainly, I feel like we've got a great opportunity in front of us with with the with how good our cars have been this week, and really looking forward to next Sunday. Well, Ed, I want to see you win. For one, you've always been fun on Speed City, but I want to see you win because I want to see what happens at the Indy 500 when a hometown guy wins it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a party, that's for sure. <laughs> Lots of vodka. May the fuzzies begin. <laughs> Ed Carpenter, thank you for coming on Speed City. Congratulations on the poll for Indy 500, and uh, good luck, and we will talk to you up there in Indy. After the race, apparently. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Mike. Sounds, sounds, like, sounds like a plan. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Yeah, hometown boy winning the Indy 500, that would be a big one. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking we're not going to get Jonathan back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, I mean, talk about a home ground hero. I mean, he went to Butler University. He grew up in Indy. Um, he is actually uh, stepson to uh, Tony George. Um, I mean, talk about they were showing some pictures on the ABC feed today of him sitting in the stands when he was 11. You know, on the same day that he's just qualified for pole. I mean, this is a guy who's lived and breathed Indianapolis 500 and in and in, in Indy racing. So yeah, you cannot. I mean, he's being modest. I mean, this would be for anybody like it was for Alex Rossi would be a game changer. But this would be almost. You know, <laughs> I think it's a fairy tale. For it sure. is a fairy tale. And and like I said, he uh, he he kind of uh, was kind of humble about it but he has worked his whole career for the opportunity to keep doing that and he's been on the front row so many times he's he is gonna be one of the favorites yep Dan Danica's only got one problem with her swan song she's gonna get past him yeah <laughs> yeah yeah wouldn't that be a story too right. if Danica were to somehow be able to you know, win this and I know that you know the reason I asked that question about how much time has she had in the car is because it, quite honestly her NASCAR career was not spectacular sure and but her indie stuff has really shown well and you know i think her talent gets undermined by her promotion capabilities yeah her sure. nascar career etc and uh you know she is quite awesome
Yeah, it, it would be, and it's, it would be really amazing if she were to, I mean, even just finishing in the top 10, obviously, is a big deal, but if she were to somehow win it, that would be over the top. Well, guys, we got to take a break. Wait a minute, unless there's some, like, a Formula One driver or another IndyCar on the hold, on hold that I don't Hang know Hang on, let about. me go to the desk. Okay. <laughs> no, all you're right. right. All right, we're going to break. <laughs> we'll be back after these messages, and remember, we've got an interview with Joe Roberts, who had a good day in Moto2, and we're going to talk a little MotoGP and a little Formula One. After the break, listen to Speed City live in Austin. Everybody needs somebody to love. Someone to love. Someone to love. The Austin East KOA Campground, just 15 minutes from Circuit of the Americas and downtown Austin, and just two minutes from the Travis County Expo Center and Central Texas Fishing in Decker Lake, featuring amenities for every style of camping, from tent sites to luxury RV pull-throughs and cabins, plus a pool, showers, and laundry. Nestled in tall oak trees on the edge of the hill country, all the pleasures of the Lone Star State await you at Austin East KOA. To make your reservation, visit austineastkoa.com. The racetrack, it's where legends are born. Where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Okay, boys, I have to pause the show. I just got a text from a guy. I'm looking for a Z06 for maybe a little track car, you know, use Z06, and I just got a text. So I've got an appointment tomorrow to go see a Z06. What do y'all think? It's a C6, Mm -hmm. by the way. A C6 Z06? Okay, well, that's good. You know, okay, I, I might not. I might lose some friends. The C6 is a little lighter weight. Yeah. You got a good... A little over uh, 3,100 pounds. Yeah, a little lighter weight than some of the others. Uh, good power. Actually, I think it's uh, one of the better performing of the more recent in in somebody that's really into the sports cars and the balance and the handling. Yeah. The, the, the knock on the C6 is, of course, at the limit, they get a little scary. Now, that's with the stock tire setup and the stock setup. So, who knows? Maybe I'll take it over. That to, never last around maybe, us. Maybe take it over to the guys. Uh, let's yeah, see. yeah, more speed more can do speed it if we want it. We got a few folks Yeah, we got around. a few guys that can help me tweak that. But, all right. Well, we want to jump into some two-wheel discussion because Jonathan and I just had a conversation with a young American. Yes, an American in Moto2. And Jonathan, you want to set this up a little bit? Yeah, Joe Roberts, uh, he was here at the Circuit of the Americas, if you remember, with Kevin Schwantz uh, pre-Austin. Um, but this is his first... Uh, and Joe Roberts, just to put it in perspective, he was a Red Bull rookie back in the day when I, I met him when he was 15 of all uh, you know of all ages. And he was great. He's a great kid. He's from California. His parents were originally from England, funnily enough, but he was born and raised in California. Um, he's got a great family out there. And no relation to uh, Kenny Roberts, mind you. Uh, but he's come through the ranks. He's 
He's raced in Spain. He was a champion in stock in uh, 600s in Moto America. And now he's gone back uh, to Europe and he's taking on the world quite literally in the hardest championship of all, which is Moto2. And he's got, um, he's actually got a, a kind of a weird setup. His, his team is NTS. And I say a weird setup because he's got a, a unique chassis, a Japanese NTS chassis, um, which nobody else has, which... Uh, his, it, it's kind of it works for him because he's not got a lot of experience with the Calios and so on and so forth, uh, with the Calix uh, chassis um, and with the KTM. So in some ways, why not? He's he's not going to be pushed. You know, it, it, this is a, he's he's also got the full attention of the Japanese company. Anyway, bottom line is he's starting out. He's 21. He's on the way, uh, hopefully. Uh, but he's racing against the lights of Alex Marquez and uh, Bagnaya and all these guys. So he is at the toughest end and today he was online to get uh, his first world championship points he was running in 14th place with a few laps to go sadly fell off at turn 8 which everybody else mm. did him as well uh, but fell off at turn 8 remounted and managed to finish 19th which still is his best result today so Joe Roberts that sets it up uh, we spoke to him rather dejectedly but he, he, he put a brave face on it uh, and here's what he had to say about his weekend at Le Mans all right, gearheads, Speed City fans, we've got an American on the phone. We're really excited. He had a pretty good day today. Joe Roberts, welcome back to Speed City, buddy. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Joe, my heart went out to you because you were having a great day. You were up to 14th at one point, and I thought, ah, championship points, championship points. Um, but you succumbed to the same corner, unfortunately, that everybody in your – so, you know, I don't think anybody can give you a hard time because even the even the, all, all the top guys went down exactly the same corner. Turn eight um, at um, Le Mans. Tell me what happened, first of all, and then we'll go back and look at the season. Yeah, man, it's, it's really uh... – it's really disappointing today because you know we we're having such a great race, like really, really great race. We're, I, it's my best weekend I've had all year. So you know the the weekend overall, we, the minute I got to this track, I thought man, I could do quite well here. You know, I, I really liked the way the layout was, and from the beginning, you know, free practice two, I was already inside the top twenty and uh, qualifying, qualified seventeenth, which was our well, not my best qualifying, but my best qualifying in the drive. Um, so that that was something really really great, and you know the other thing that was really nice about the whole weekend was that I was very consistently able to do fast laps like one after the other. So I thought I could be very strong in the race, and we were very strong. You know, I was running up into 14th and even past Sam Lowe's, which for me was pretty cool. You know, how often do you get to pass Sam Lowe's? Uh, <laughs> and uh, no, and and we were catching. At the time I was in 14th, I was catching Simone Corsi. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, so many people crashing, even right in front of me. And and uh, I just thought, well, I'll, I'll just try to get a consistent pace to the end of the race and not do anything stupid. And, uh, yeah, maybe thought a little too much, but I went into turn eight. And, you know, with this track at Le Mans, they have uh, on, the, on that corner especially they have curbing that goes all the way around the outside so if you go wide and you have any sort of lean angle and you go on this curbing you're kind of screwed and unfortunately that's what happened to me i just went a bit wide and touched the curbing and it was enough i had enough lean angle that it was enough to throw me down and uh picked up the bike and was able to salvage 19th which still is pretty respectable in moto 2 and only like 40 seconds behind the, the leader so even with a crash. So for me, I, you know, 
I'm very, very disappointed that I threw away championship points and, and everything. But, I mean, you have to look at the whole weekend. It was such a really, really good weekend. And we did such a great job and as a team. And I showed my potential, what I could really do. And, and it's only there's only more, you know. I can, and During the race, I was looking at guys in front of me, like, thinking, oh, man, if I could just have a little bit more here, I could catch these guys. And, and that was the top ten, so... Uh, you know, it, I think I realized at the end of this weekend that the most important thing is the qualifying. These guys aren't superhuman, you know. They 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 can do an amazing lap time, but generally in the race, the pace is super hot. You know, you, can, you just kind of have to get in position to be up in the front. You know, so that's the kind of mentality I took away from it. Is that now we need to get the qualifying's really good, and I can be in the points consistently for sure. Tell us a little bit about the chassis because that is interesting for the for the real bike fans out there. They'll be amazed to hear because you know uh, I, I think there's been like two uh, types of um, chassis out there before, and now you're bringing in a new one. So, what was the decision on that? What's different about it? Uh, how hard is it to learn a new chassis? Well, I haven't had years of experience in Moto Two, so yeah, you know, my <laughs> my experience on Moto Two bikes only been one year, and that was racing in the European Championship last year. So the 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 thing is, is that I I was quite happy to to jump on this project because it's you know it's new the the Japanese guys that are running this deal and the NCS are super committed yeah to making a, an amazing bike they're putting tons of money behind it so for me it's it's nice to jump on board with somebody that they also believes in, in me a lot so you know and you can also shape the bike a little bit to where you want it to be and if it's just you and one other guy riding it i mean they're the only, they can only listen to you you know so i like that in, in some ways and you know i think we've surprised a lot of people that this bike can be competitive i mean it's been kind of a calyx and well now kcm domination in this class so um it shows that there can be other manufacturers that can run there you know since you've joined moto 2 what uh i mean obviously you've been around the paddock you were a red bull rookie in the first place but you know have you been i mean I, you know like, i was just thinking about moto gp and and when the likes of zarko and dovi have fallen off as well you've got nothing to be uh, uh licking your wounds about tonight got a, i've got a challenge for you i'm putting you in the same boat now as santino ferrucci okay he's mm -hmm. the reserve driver for Haas formula one he's your age roughly uh, American. I mean, he's better looking, obviously. But um, well, he... Uh, <laughs> all Formula One drivers are, right? Yeah, yeah fair <laughs> enough. Uh, um, but he's going to race in Detroit next weekend. Uh, sorry, two weekends' time, and I'm going to be there with him. Uh, and you'll be racing in Mugello. So it's challenge. All right. So watch out for his qualifying, Whatever. and I'll, I'll see how the two, <laughs> two young Americans go, and go good. In the world champion, that's right. All right. I think Formula One's a little bit easier. I went to the Formula One in Barcelona, and, you know... I think I could do it. I wasn't that impressed. Really? I love that attitude. <laughs> I, like, I like your attitude. <laughs> I thought you were a it's bass like player, not a drummer. Wheel, really? I, I, I think I could do it. It looks a lot harder. <laughs> Moto 2 looks a lot harder than 4. Yeah. you got to have to I think man. it is. You wouldn't like it. They got a halo and protection and helmets. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no real, you know, there's no real no danger. No danger. Too, too many, too many rich people for me. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was at Monaco last week, so there was plenty of that too. All right, yeah. Joe Roberts, thanks for coming on Speed City, buddy. Welcome, uh, we'll welcome you back anytime, and good luck this season. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Hold on. Yeah, great, great chat with him. Uh, really good guy, and. Um,
You know, I, 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 I don't know. I've got a feeling in my bones about this kid. Look how laid back he is. Look who he's racing against on a weekly basis. And we'll, we'll put that up as a podcast because it, it's, it's longer than that. Um, but he says that he's not overawed anymore. He says none of these guys, you know, they, they, they're not supermen. They are beatable. Yeah, he's he's got a split personality, I believe. You say he's laid back. Yeah, he's easy going yeah. and all that. But my gosh, when uh, we saw him at the boot camp, plus oh, yeah. and he is absolutely serious. We went over to the grocery store near the boot camp, and he like had very specific things he was getting that these are healthy and this juice and that and. Oh, he, he that, is dedicated. That, that he's, he's from California. Well, no, no, I mean, he was very intense <laughs> no, you're in right. this when everybody else was, you know, grabbing potato chips. <laughs> no, you're right. And all that. Well, so. I, and I do think that he's got the talent and the, the background, um, given that he's grown up in Europe. He understands the Spanish. He's got Hans Spann working with him, who was an X125 uh, superhero from a few years ago. Um, I, I, there's a lot of things going for him, and, and he is level headed. Um, and, and, and like I said, I think the biggest thing is you can get into Moto2, um, you know, and I don't need to name it, but the last guy that tried did get overawed by it all right. and, and has come back. And, and like we've said, and you know I've been saying this mantra for a long time, you know, if our American riders are going to succeed, they have to be over in Europe and they have to be competing. You know, Jake Gagne has gone over, um, PJ, um, PJ Jacobson went over a few years ago um, and, you know, they're, 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 they're doing it. Uh, but Joe is one of them and he's right where he needs to be. I think he's laid back, he's controlled, he's very methodical. And he's fast too. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, just a very likable person. Man, if he could get this guy into the top 10 in Moto2, that would be huge. Oh, for, gosh. I mean, he have a, the American fans would go crazy. Well, next year, can you imagine how to publicize that? Wow. Yeah, that would be huge. Well, hey, let's uh, continue the, the two-wheel discussion. Talk about MotoGP in Le Mans. Yeah, um, not the most exciting of races, mm. especially when, sadly, the pole man, that was a big story, you know, the 110,000 fans had come to see Zarco uh, change the world for French motorcycle racing and be the first Frenchman to win in gosh knows how long. Um, but That's um, kind of like a bad jinx. I hope I didn't just do yeah. that dead carpenter. <laughs> no, 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 no. But Zarco was pole and he was brilliant and he looked, I mean, you know, you've got to remember, Zarco's not even on a factory bike and he's, you know, he's not Rossi's bike. He's like Tech 3. Yeah. And he's just signed for KTM next year. Uh, so there's a big future for Zarco. Anyway, he fell. Yeah. And <laughs> that after being the first one in, first Frenchman in 30 years yeah, I know. to take the pole. Regis Laconie. I remember him well. Yeah. But, but Jonathan, I got to ask you you followed Tito Rabat. Yeah. Does he ever finish a race? Oh, ouch. I think he's still out there, actually. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> Still, this guy. They, they put the lights on he, for him. How did he get here? When I feel like every time I look up, oh, there goes Tito. Well, I, I guess somebody said, "Hey, does anybody got any Titos?" And then went, "Yeah, we got one." I was sitting over there. Uh, <laughs> oh. No, but I mean, I feel for him because you know the guy's talented. I don't know his background except you know a little bit of it. He's done well, but I'm just like, 
How'd you get here if this is the way you seem, where you typically finish is over behind the wall? To be honest, I I hear you and I actually do agree with you in this case, but there are a lot of riders. I mean, look at how Eugene Laverty, who you've been watching, World Superbikes, you know, came in. And if you don't have a competitive bike, you can crash your brains out in, in MotoGP because the pace is so fast. I mean, we just talked about Joe Roberts, right, falling at turn eight. There must have been six riders in that field alone that fell at the same corner. And I, I said to him off, off, off my, offline, if you like, I said, oh, Joe, man, I was thinking about you during the race because I was wondering whether you saw all the crashes at turn eight because I was kind of going... That's the tour. Be careful. Why didn't you text him? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no yeah, I'll try next Bluetooth, time. Bluetooth, Bluetooth. Yeah. Okay, move of the race. I got to say, Lorenzo, whole shot from sixth. Oh, that was awesome. To the front. Yeah. Cleanly. If he could just do that for 25 laps. He didn't laps. just barge into it. He, he cleanly did it. Yeah, yeah. But it, but then uh, the other, I felt like they should have put the Jaws movie theme music under Marquez. <laughs> he is like that. And you know, the annoying thing is, you notice how he was talking to Petruzzi afterwards and saying, oh, yeah, he said, I thought you were going down. He goes, oh, yeah, my elbow saved me. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. You know, he wins by a country mile and he's still on his elbows getting around the course. Yeah, so I don't know how many... his suit after the race? His whole, his whole forearm was scraped up. I'm like, how much time did you spend on well, your forearm? Ev- evidently, he's going to get the Avengers suit. He's going to get the Iron Man <laughs> full suit uh, so that, you know, basically he's covered sparks will fly hey speaking of marquez what about the championship right now you know you had a couple of his rivals crash out today so i mean he's sitting right now at 95 points in first and vinales at at, in second with 59 and zarco third of 58 so i mean where's rossi uh rossi's next in fourth there you go 56 points come on baby do it for the oldies come on 46 come on 46 i I hate to be a partisan but you kind of Gotta love it. Yeah, yeah. How can you not? But you know, I mean, of course. Okay, but today, you listen to how many times they quoted that Rossi just turned the fastest lap. Yeah. Oh, it it seemed like every other lap or so, Rossi just turned the fastest lap of the race. You know what Rossi reminds me of? Muhammad Ali, when he was getting older, but knew he wasn't as quick and couldn't have stance as well, he was like, he just got wise. Yeah. He, got, he just got wise and won fights by just being Muhammad Ali. I love that analogy. because <laughs> I, I, I was young, and so were you, obviously, but they, they, when Muhammad Ali was past his prime, he was out there having fun and, and just messing with those guys. But you guys. were hoping he would win. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was on the ropes going, oh, Rope come on, Muhammad. Rope a dope. That's yeah. what they but, but when he was yeah. young and you saw him at the Olympics or you saw Oh, yeah. You know, those, wow. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why we're talking about Muhammad Ali. <laughs> hey, but, uh, you know, on back to it. 38th win for Marquez. Tying up with Casey. Yeah. Uh, and he's on his way. And, and I'll tell you what, they better be quick or he he need to, you know, I love the comments that uh, the only person that can beat uh, Marquez is himself. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a good line. Oh, it's so true. Because it, it, it is. Um, but the, he's 36 points ahead now. And, he, and uh, he's going to, uh, you know, tracks that he likes over the summer. They've got to reel him in. And, and the, somebody's got to start beating him. Zarco, for example, needs a couple of wins under his belt. Uh, Lorenzo, who you mentioned, likewise, Dovey fell today. Uh, Ducati have got to remount their attack on him. Dovey, one of the, and, you know, honestly, okay, everybody knows I love the Ducati bikes. But Dovey's one of the nicest guys. And it just breaks my heart to see him drop like that. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little Formula One. And we're going to talk some more about the Miami story. And we'll have some clips from our interview last week with the mayor of Miami talking about the new Formula One street circuit. Listen to Speed City Live in Austin back after these messages. Dirt 
Fish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. MV Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. Ducati Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Listen to Talk 1370 anytime, anywhere with the all-new Radio.com app. Check your phone's app store or visit Talk1370.com slash app. This is David Hobbs and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, Jonathan, we had the producer play David Hobbs coming back from the break again because you wanted to talk about his book. Yes, Hobbo. Uh, I advise you heartily to go out and buy or get on Kindle or whatever you will. But the autobiography of David Hobbs, uh, and as you know that name, he was a British uh, star of Formula One, sports car racing, uh, but basically um, ended his career both here in the States and, of course, um, on NBC's Formula One and has been for many years. So everybody knows who he is, but do you really know what he achieved? Um, probably not. And Andrew Marriott, who we mentioned earlier and who I was commentating with last weekend in Monaco, um, did the audio autobiography with David and I think that actually is also going to make it that much better because he is an encyclopedic knowledge of racing. Uh, I can imagine the pair of them sitting down to talk about this book would have been a lot of fun. And so therefore, uh, I'm going to rush out and buy it because I think it'll be an interesting read. Uh, and he really does cover an interesting history from the mid-60s all the way through to the 80s and BMW sports car racing and Daytonas and so on and so forth. So, Hobbo, look out for it. It's a good book if you are into your motor race. All right, well, speaking of Andrew Marriott, let's go ahead and play the clip, the final clip that we sent over to the producer a minute ago because it, it this is going to lead into the story. We got some clips from the mayor of Miami, but it's all about the story about Miami and uh, Formula One coming to Miami and also <coughs> about Liberty Media and Americans in Formula One. So let's play this clip from Andrew Marriott. As Liberty looking to expand the calendar from the 20-odd races they've got. They want to have more races. And, you know, America is still the wealthiest, most prestigious nation in the world. Probably the largest car buyers. I think China are catching them up, though. But uh, it's where there should be Formula One racing. We've still got to educate the American public. The only way we're going to do that, we've got to have an American driver in Formula One. 
in the past we've had a world champion too, Phil Hill. My, uh, and of course Mario Andretti his son Michael raced there but recently we haven't had any really quick Americans in decent teams my backing is for Joseph Newgarden I think he's a great talent but Liberty got to put pressure on the teams to get an American in and the way that Bernie ran Formula 1 it was pretty much a straight jacket you know yeah, well, it's something we've been singing too, but well, Joseph Newgarden, interesting. Yeah, um, I'll tell you what, I don't think Joseph would be, uh, I don't think Indy would, 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 would rush to give Joseph an opportunity, but I'll tell you what, uh, it's kind of going the flip side. At Detroit in two weeks, and I'll be there too, Santino Ferrucci is going to uh, replace uh, Pietro Fittipaldi, who broke both his legs in WEC recently and is recovering, uh, and of course is a regular Indy driver. Uh, DeMello is uh, replacing him for the Indy 500, but uh, Santino Ferrucci, who is a Haas reserve driver and Formula 2 driver, will be racing in Indy, his first outing in Indy, but the real deal, talk about baptism of fire, um, around Belle Isle. So, um, you know, but what, what I like about that is here is a young American making his way. I like Andrew's point, which is... He's right. Liberty should look at this as a marketing opportunity. And let's say, Miami, let's talk about bringing a, um, a Santino or any other American. Uh, I don't know, Les, you're, you're looking pensive there. And just bring him in for that one weekend and say, let's make a big deal of the American entry. Oh, I, I think that is an excellent thing. I also like, uh, you know, what others have mentioned of, uh, hey, can we have a guest car on the grid of F1? And yeah. uh, bring somebody in to get some exposure, get some practice. You know, do something more than the development drivers where they, you know, if they're lucky, they get to drive on Friday and they may get to play in simulators most of their life. But uh, I'm open to it. New Garden, uh, like I said, he, he's pretty solid in Indy. Does he want to hit the Grand Slam? Let's go for it. Well, I, yeah, but it's such a complex thing. You know, like you said, Indy's not going to let him go. Was is, Would he? I don't know. I, I think that's kind of a long shot. Yeah, but, but I mean, well, you say that. If Joseph Newgarten now said, yeah, look, I mean, his, his season's over in September. He's got a, he's got two months to start getting ready for the American Grand Prix uh, as a one-off, and he could come in with his team with all his Indy sponsorship. It doesn't matter. Um, he's the Indy champion. They throw him up there, let's say. Um, I, I don't know. The, the, what I'm getting at is... And I think, you know, Andrew summed it up. You know, Bernie was a close shop. He did his things his way. Let's look Let's look out the box. And Liberty are already doing that in a lot of different ways. And this is just another one. And and I think it is for, for journalists and, and talk show hosts and so on and so forth to throw out these ideas uh, and see, you know, and see what we got. What about... But I, I think it all comes around to the money, though. Yeah. Well, well I haven't it, got it, any. Doesn't everything <laughs> always follow the money, right? Sure. Well, I mean, they're not going to give away their star to go float away. Now, you know, to me, I think they could poach some F1 audience to go, here's one of our F drivers, F, our drivers in the F1 grid. The same way that uh, when Fernando came to Indy 500 last year, there were some Indy folks that kind of, oh, wow, that's interesting. He, he did all right until he went out. It hasn't yeah. done Toyota any harm or WEC any harm that uh, Fernando Alonso, current Formula 1 driver Hulkenberg a few years ago winning Le Mans right. didn't do their many, didn't do their brands any harm, did it? Yeah, that's true. Hey, I want to play one of the clips from last weekend's interview with the mayor of Miami because it was this, I want you to listen carefully to this clip. I haven't heard any confirmation of this. We haven't actually had any follow-up on this, but there was a number thrown out 
by the mayor himself, not by me when I asked the question. Yeah, it's different than the one you stated. Yeah, it's actually quite different. So, yeah, let's hear this clip from the mayor of Miami talking about the dollar amount. The person will be stroking that $40 million check is Steve Ross. And the city will do somewhere in the vicinity of half a million dollars in in-kind services. Um, and, of course, those are details yet to be finalized. Sure. But that's, those are the parameters that we've discussed. And that's in line with what we've done for other major sporting events like El Clasico, like uh, Major League, where we put in somewhere in that range of in-kind services. The difference being that those other sports are one and done, and this is an annual commitment. So, you know, it will end up being a larger commitment than we do for those other sports, but it'll probably be a slightly smaller annual commitment uh, because there's no repetition uh, to the other sports where there is going to be repetition to this one. So what I thought was interesting about this is that we've heard the numbers here at COTA, $30 million, $33 million. And I said, jokingly said, you know, we write the $30 million check to Bernie, but, but he said the $40 million check will be written by Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins. So who knows? Maybe that's the number, guys. So you got to build the circuit, guys. So that's that's probably part of that. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? So, but it's. I just thought it was very interesting. And of course, you can hear that entire interview on our SoundCloud account. You can go to our website or just follow us on social media. You can find our SoundCloud account out there as well. But um, and also the Andrew Marriott interview. There was a lot more discussed in yes. there, and that's also out on our SoundCloud account. And I think there was discussions like third car and other things that were really fascinating about what Liberty might do. Hey, this week I'm heading up to Indy and I'm also going to be making a lot of parallels between where I've just been, which is Monaco and the historic. Uh, it is the greatest day in motor racing next Sunday, starting early in the morning, all of which you can stay with us and hear. Uh, we will be bringing you the Indy 500 and Formula One, of course, from Monaco. Uh, but what a great day for racers. Yep. Tune in next week and check us out on our website. We got the Formula One pre and post race show next weekend as well. Talk to you next week. Travel safe, y'all. Adios.